0: So let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Kings 19. 1 Kings 19. It says, And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword, And then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more so also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life, and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servants there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. Then, as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. Then he looked, and there by his head, was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water, so he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights, as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? And so he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, tore down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they seek to take my life. Then he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave And suddenly a voice came to him and said what are you doing here elijah and he said i have been very zealous for the lord of hosts because the children of israel have forsaken your covenant torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword i alone am left and they seek to take my life father i just pray that you would take this time we spend together and speak to our hearts lord I pray that today you would help us to understand things maybe from a perspective we had never understood before that you would give us clarity that you would give us even possibilities that you would give us um, even an aspect of knowing how we can be of help and how we can receive help I pray Father you would fill me with your holy spirit to speak this morning lord in jesus name amen I picked this passage because Elijah is one of the greatest prophets the Old Testament has. And yet, this man of tremendous faith, this man of tremendous strength, he phrased that he may die. He's just down in the dumps. He is blue. He is desperate. He is despondent. he's depressed. According to the WHO, the World Health Organization, one in four people in Europe will experience a mental health problem each year. Mental health disorders are among the leading causes of disability and ill health in our region. Depression, Depression is one of the most common mental health disorders in Europe. Around 6.6% of the adult population in Europe experiences a major depressive episode each year. Anxiety disorders affect approximately 14% of the European population. General anxiety disorder panic disorder, and social anxiety disorder are among the most prevalent. Listen to this one, suicide. Suicide rates vary across European countries, but it is estimated that around 90,000 people die by suicide each year in the European Union. It is the second leading cause of death among young people between 15 and 29. The second eating disorders, including anorexia, bulimia, binging affect one to 4% of the European population and PTSD is estimated to affect 3.9 of the European population. The question is, are we aware of these stats? Maybe we are n- not aware. Maybe we, we have people in our families that are going through things like that, and we are very aware of it. Maybe we ourselves are going. But the first thing I think that we need to realize is that it's a very real thing around us. It happens in the Bible we see it here in Elijah here is a man of God a man who loves God a man who is faithful to God and he gets to a point where he just wishes he could die it's kind of like irrational I don't know if you realize this it's a bit irrational the whole thing because on the one hand he's running for his life he's afraid that Ahab and Jezebel are gonna kill him and then he wishes to die so why run you know, it's, it's the whole thing is just irrational. But First Kings 19 shows us a man of God, a man that loves God, a man that is faithful to God, a man that Jesus says there was, I mean, he, he was an incredible prophet, and yet he's affected by this. Listen, in Psalm 38, verses 6 and 8, re, listen to this verse. King David, a man after God's own heart, says, I am troubled I am bowed down greatly. I go mourning all day long. Verse 8. I am feeble and severely broken. I groan because of the turmoil of my heart. Psalm 42 verses 3 and 5. Listen to David. My tears have been my food day and night. Why are you so down, O my soul? Why are you so disquieted within me? Psalm 43, verse 2. Why do do I go on mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? The Apostle Paul, in 2 Corinthians 1, 3-8, he says, He was burdened beyond measure, above strength. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says, that he was given, a thorn was given to me, he says, uh, 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 to a messenger of Satan, and he pleaded three times that it would be removed from him. And yet the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. And in Acts twenty three eleven, the Lord himself appears to Jesus and says, be of good cheer. If Jesus himself appears to somebody to say, be of good cheer, it's because that person is not of good cheer and needs to be encouraged. That's the Bible. But in church history, Spurgeon, who wrote three, who preached, I have, a vol, I have a 63 volumes of Spurgeon's sermons, 3,561 sermons. He's called the Prince of Preachers. He would preach crowds 15, 20,000 people without a mic. He wrote this, I have suffered many times from severe sickness and frightful mental depression, seeking almost to despair. Almost every year I've been laid aside for a season, for flesh and blood cannot bear the strain, at least such flesh and blood as mine. I felt it was necessary to me and has answered, salutary ends. So he says, I felt it was good for me, but I mean, it was desperate what I was going through. Frightening mental depression. Martin Luther, who translated the Bible into German, who was one of the spearheads of the Reformation, his life was marked by a feeling of profound aloneness, Says that God was slinging him out for suffering, a loss of faith that God is good and good to him, causing self reliance. And he says, This I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire body was in pain and I still tremble. This is Martin Luther. William Cooper, a hymn writer, he wrote, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. He was marked by periods of intense depression sent to his St. Albans Mental Institution for 18 months after a suicide attempt. He was shy and suffered from high anxiety and, was, and became friends with John Newton, the, ra- the writer of Amazing Grace. Now, my question is, what are the sources what is the source of, of these things that we just spoke about i think sometimes we can be a little bit simplistic in how we think about it and not see the diversity that it can be but ultimately it comes from one source adult don't jump at the gun. I need you to guys to listen all the way through this morning. I'm going to say something that's very provocative, but the first and foremost important source of these things is sin. God said to Adam and Eve, to Adam, that they, well, she said, she, do not eat from that tree from the knowledge of good and evil. The moment they heard, you shall not eat, the devil comes, you should eat. And, and Eve ate of that tree. And now we cannot complain. We have both the knowledge of good and evil. But the Bible knows nothing of a superficial view of sin or the fall. Adam and Eve's rebellion changed everything god created the world perfect with no sickness no sorrow no jealousy no murder and man determined that god wasn't good and was keeping him from developing and wanting to know keeping him from development and, and wanted only to know the good as if he was missing out something on the evil but he wanted to know the evil as well And today we know that, a world of good and evil. But the fall of man has affected the world as we know it. That's why we have earthquakes. That's why we have national disasters. That's why we have children that are born um, sick or, or, or that we ourselves get sick physically. That's why we have death. We have death because of the fall of man. And the the answer is not simple, but I think as we go through it, we will realize that we're going to need a lot of wisdom and discernment in our lives and encouragement to navigate through this. Number one, one of the sources of mental health difficulties is just the fact that we are living in a fallen world and just like I can have heart problems or lung problems or muscle problems or kidney problems, there can be an effect upon our brains that it's physical. I have a friend whose dad was a pastor and the, the son was his assistant and that that all of a sudden became suspicious and he became aggressive and he became insulting and he became uh completely paranoid and then they realized not in every case but in his case it was like that that he had a growing tumor in his brain that affected his behavior So because we live in a fallen world, it can be that we have certain of these difficulties because we live in a fallen world with fallen bodies. Number two. Another source of mental health issues in our lives might be not that we're living in a fallen world or that we're reaping the consequences of Eve and Adam's sin, but we might be suffering from trauma from somebody else's sin. What somebody else did to us. We live in a really cruel world. I am super protective with the kids. You know, I'm really careful with things because I don't want things to happen to them. But the reality is that sometimes somebody else's sin traumatizes somebody. Another source of mental health problems might be personal sin. Might not be Adam and Eve's sin. Might not be um, somebody else's sin it might be your own sin turn to psalm 32 verses 3 and 4. psalm 32 verses 3 and 4 it says when i kept silent when i kept silent about what when i kept silent to the fact that i took Bathsheba, somebody else's wife When I I kept silent that I had put him in the front lines for him to be killed. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And here david says my goodness i didn't bring it to you i didn't confess it i just kept it secret i kept lying and and your hand was heavy upon me and all this spring that i had all the glory that i had before i became like the drought of summer just like spain at the moment one of the biggest droughts that we've had in years water reservoirs completely dry in the mainland Another source of mental health problems might be personality type. Now some people are some some people are more cheerful, are more bubbly, you know, and and, and other people are more um, they're they're more melancholic. They might go through more ups and downs in their life. It might be just personality. And another source of mental health problems might be just the attacks of the devil. Accusing, shaming, tormenting, burning, you know, bringing fear into our lives. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says that a messenger of Satan was given to him and he felt this tremendous weakness, but it wasn't the fall, it wasn't, it wasn't somebody else's sin, it wasn't his own sin, it, was, it, it wasn't uh, personality, it was actually attacks of the devil. And you see that in reality, we could oversimplify it, and you find this in churches, you find in churches that everything's the devil. You find with some people, everything's your sin. You find some people, it's everything's somebody else's fault. You find some people just say, it's just a fallen world. But, you know, as Christians, we need to mature in wisdom and discernment and, and need to realize that what kind of personality we have, what kind of things, who are we, who other people are and how to navigate these situations because it's not as simple. People are complex. Now, I have two questions I want to say, I want to ask. Number two is, how can we help as individuals and as a church in this reality? And number two, I want to ask, if you are going through these things, how can we get help? How do we navigate this situation, right? Number one, how should we navigate this? How should we navigate it with wisdom, with love, and with compassion? As a community, as a church, number one, we need to reduce the stigma. We need to be able to speak about it. There is it's it's common, you know, it's kind of like infertility. It's like, oh my goodness, I can't have kids for 15 years. I'm, I'm a monster. I'm an alien. And then all of a sudden you begin to talk and it's a lot of people are like that. And the moment you talk about it, you realize it's not so strange. Lots of people go through it. So the first thing that we need to be able to do is to reduce the stigma and to realize that people through all ages have gone through this. To be able to have open conversations about this. Number two, as a church, we need to be able to pray for and pray with people struggling with these things. We had a particular person. Uh, I mean, and and I'm I'm speaking on this because I spoke at it at a youth retreat in Denmark, and I felt God really put this on our hearts. But also because the last three years have been brutal here in this church and in our community with mental health difficulties. It's been crazy. I don't know if you guys remember, but during the pandemic, we had somebody from the church. Their brother thought people were chasing him and jumped off the eighth floor, fourth building and killed himself. It's a reality. And we had one particular person that was, uh, I, I, you could see the person falling apart, falling apart, falling apart. And people were kind of turning away from the person as opposed to maybe assisting the person in a healthy way and it it was a, a very difficult situation how can we help whenever we see to try to discern to try to pray with the person and pray for the person and encourage. encourages. One particular person, I would say to, to her, every single day I saw her with, with her trouble, with her anxiety, I would tell her the same thing. I love you and God loves you infinitely more just to secure that person. Eventually, well, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this. Then community, we need loving community We need to be a place where we are friends to one another. We are brothers with one another. We support one another. We need to offer pastoral care to help guide individuals that are going through this. And at times, we have to discern if maybe they need professional help. I got a phone call once and uh, to go help in a situation where there was acute psychosis and I got there and I realized this is something that we can pray about, but this is something we need to call the ambulance for. So as a community, we need to reduce the stigma. We need to be able to pray for one another. We need to be able to be there for one another. We need to be able to care for each other. What shall we do if we suffer from that? And we all have that to one degree or another. We all have something to one degree or another. You know, you wake up one morning and yesterday everything was fine. And today the whole world is falling apart. Sometimes you even have difficulty breathing. Sometimes you see no, no brightness, no positive thought for the future sometimes like elijah you get you got yourself in a cave and you just think to yourself that the world will be so much better off if you just didn't exist maybe sometimes just to escape the problems what shall we do if we have these mental health difficulties well If it's a part of our bodies experiencing this, if it's because of the fall, God wants you to know that there's hope in the gospel. That God is renewing all things. That a day is coming where there will be no more sorrow whatsoever. No, no sorrow. No more tears. It says this corruptible must inherit incorruption. There will be a day where I will no longer struggle with being down, with, being, with, with feeling depressed, with, with anything. No, no, no. There will be one day where I will shall awake as he is, and it will all be taken out. And you know, the reality is that no matter what we're going through physically, God might heal us. God could heal us. I mean, we're in a place where God has healed us. God is healing us. And God will heal us. But the reality is that not, and I think it's pretty obvious, pretty scientific, that the reality is that not everybody gets healed here on earth. I remember being with, with Andrew and Susan one day, and we were in, in Camte Mar where he would, uh, he, she was allergic, Susan was allergic to some, some um, trees in his house. He's the best husband I've ever known. And he, in order to spare her from the allergies, he would move her out, book a hotel in Camp De Mar, and, um, and there she, um, they would spend several weeks until the tree stopped blooming. But we were standing there, and, and she suffered from MME and from... Um, and from different things. And we were talking one day about healing. And I, and I remember distinctly. I didn't know this was going to happen. But I remember distinctly saying to Susan. Susan, one thing's for sure. God, when we stand with God will heal you one day is what I said to her. God will heal you one day. She said, what do you mean? I said, God will heal you one day. And then she caught on and she says, you mean when I die? And I said, yes, ultimately, either he'll heal you here, but for sure, he will heal you when we see him face to face. And unbeknown to me, she passed away a couple of months later. But there's a redemption. Not just here, there's a redemption. That's the hope of the gospel. That's why Jesus came. Not to make everything perfect here, but to, to deliver us into a new heaven and a new earth where well, there will be no more tears where well, there will be no more sorrow. But we might need to navigate through it for the rest of our lives with the hope of a final redemption no matter what it is we're going through. My goodness, I look at some people sometimes and they're, they're so positive and they're, they're type A personalities. They could conquer the world. And I'm like, I wish I was like that, but I'm not. I have bad days and I have bad weeks sometimes. And I realize that that is a little bit of my makeup. And so when I go through those dips, I just need to hold on for dear life and realize the Lord's going to get me through. And I need to realize, you know what, that ultimately I long for heaven because I realize that it will be there it will be taken away paul paul saw such revelations he saw such amazing things that he actually was given an inter, a, a minister of satan to humble him he wanted it away he wished he wasn't feeling that weakness but the the lord said no it's staying there because this is actually this actually keeps you close to me and i'll tell you what when i have those bouts i'm really close And that's what Spurgeon meant, these things were good for me. Trauma, if you suffer trauma from somebody else's, then God wants you to know that He can heal your wounds. God wants you to know that man might have wronged you, but he won't that he is able to turn all things that have been done to you for good. Think of Joseph. I mean, think about being with your brothers and then your brothers just sell you as a slave. They just get rid of you. And then you spend years in prison because of what your brothers did to you. And then, okay, the Lord delivers you and you become, you, you become a part of this, this, this household and the guy trusts you so much. He, tr- he trusts him with everything. And then his wife, the guy's wife said, sleep with me. And Joseph says, how can I do this evil against God? He says, no, I can't do that. And he runs away, leaves his jacket behind or his cloak. And then the woman says, he tried to rape me. And he spent years in prison, the first time because his brothers falsely, uh, I mean, got rid of him, not falsely accused him, they got rid of him because they hated him. And the second one, because of a false accusation, he spent years in prison. And then, when his brothers finally came and he became Pharaoh's right hand, he said, don't be afraid, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And God is able to take whatever pain you've suffered from others and he's able to heal your heart and bring forgiveness to your heart and that in turn you will be able to say, man, what man meant for evil, God turned for good. I mean, I have a a, a, a silly illustration, I guess, in some ways because it's not like it was evil, evil towards me. But, I mean, my dad left when I was five. My mom remarried in, a, uh, in America when I was Uh, 12 years old. And eventually I ended up in the United States, which I didn't like living there at all at the time. And then, um, and then I, you know, I joined the US Army and I ended up being stationed in Germany. But, but you think of Divorce. You think of the pain of being alone without my mom because she was in Palma and, 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 and then she's working in nightclubs. She meets this guy. But you see all that stuff going on and you realize, oh my goodness, God used all that stuff. All those bad decisions, all those, all those painful decisions, he actually used and was able to turn for good. And the Spirit of God will draw near to you. Notice when Elijah says, I just wanna die, that an angel comes and feeds him. God's not angry with him for being down. I mean, sometimes we see people that are that's like, come on, suck it up, princess, get up. God doesn't say that to him. God says, God says to him, here, take some food for the journey. And then he says, he doesn't say, hey, Elijah, what are you doing there in that cave? He's not looking from a distance. He says, what are you doing here? God's in the cave with them. The Spirit of God draws near. But you know what? As we yield to the Spirit of God, as we yield to the Word of God in our life, as we fill ourselves with the promises of God, with His kindness, with His goodness, with His generosity, with His healing, with the hope that He brings, with with the fact that He loved us so much that He gave His Son to die upon a cross for us. No matter what wrong has been done to us, the greatest good has been done for us by Jesus. As we meditate on the fatherhood of God, and we've been adopted as we begin to see the wisdom of God in the things that we've gone through, not not today, not this week, not this month, as we see the hand of God in our lives. God wants you to know That he can heal your wounds. But maybe it's personal sin, addiction, destructive behavior, drugs, sex, negative habits. Listen, I remember Alan here at the church. He would always have this thing that he would do with the kids before the service. I I wasn't good at it, so I stopped doing it. But he would take this, he would have this knot. Remember, he would take a knot, a a rope. And then he would say, you know what? This is your sin. This is your heart. And then he would talk from 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says, if we say we have no sin, we lie. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. And then he would do something. He would do some kind of magic. And the knot would just become straight. But that's what happens to us. You know, sometimes... I mean, I think we could all relate to it. There are people that are miserable because they just love their sin. They just love their sin. And the best thing is to say, you know what? I'm done with that. I don't owe anything to that because it, it's done me no good. I always, it's just, it always leaves me empty, ashamed come and like David to be able to go you know what Lord I am the guy and I want to grow and I want to give my life to one that is flourishing and it's growing and if I fall I want to get back up but my first priority is you and you only and they do the acronym of joy it doesn't work in any other language but you know joy Jesus others, and us. If we put that category there, if we put those, the acronym, let me, let me put Jesus first. Let me ask for help. Let me take steps in order to grow in these, in these areas. Let me leave the sin behind. Make decisions that are conducive to growth. As opposed to the same mistake over and over and over and over again. And then we're like, oh my goodness, I'm so depressed. My life has been so bad. Well, if your life has been bad because of all the bad decisions you've made, maybe it's time to make good decisions. And you know what? The Lord is gracious that he, he took David and he restored him. And David said, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And God wants to do that in your life and in my life. But maybe you're here today and it's a personality type. Maybe you haven't, um, I don't know, maybe you're a numbers person. Maybe you're, um, maybe you're, uh, there's, the, on the spectrum, you are on a particular uh, level that, that, that people have labeled you under. But you know what? We just have to know ourselves, don't we? I mean, I noticed it so much with my kids. I can't believe how different Jonathan and Arden are. Jonathan Arden can lose and he doesn't care. Jonathan, it means the world to him. Thank God he had a football competition this week and his team lost. But then he was recruited by another team and he was their goalie. And they won. Thank God he came home with a trophy because if not, it's over. I mean, he just cannot handle losing. And he's going to have to become aware of this himself, you know. But, but in our lives, sometimes it's personality. Sometimes we get kind of down because of certain things. Sometimes it's because things are messy. Maybe we're OCD about certain things. We need to know ourselves. You know, with, with, um, with um, uh, Michael, it's so funny because Mike, we were talking about the Bible one day. I think Zuli was there. And we were saying, and I was saying, man, when I look at the Bible, it says Jesus is so social, man. Everywhere he's eating with people, and he's eating, and, and he's walking with them, and he's he's praying, and he's talking. Everything he does is dealing with people. And then he goes, uh, I said he's so social, and Michael goes, all I see is so structured. I see him sending the 12, then he sends the 70, then they report back to him, then he divides the basket, you know, and and all that stuff. And I was like, oh my goodness, we just see life completely different. We're both Christians, we both love the Lord, but we're just different people. Personality types. But maybe it's just attacks of the devil himself. Sometimes in our minds, we are just bombarded by evil thoughts from the pit of hell. Maybe sometimes they're even combined. He makes use of a weakness and the devil just comes and just wants to destroy and kill and shame. How do we deal with that? and we need to learn how to walk close to Jesus listen it is no gain there is a battle against our souls we stand we fight we are in a war but regardless of which one it is the solution and and you know obviously i think we i think we talked about it but just in case we didn't there are times i mean you know, obviously there, there are people where it's a physical situation and there's a need for medication. Now I'm going to say this. Be careful on both extremes. Be careful on both extremes. What do I mean by that? Be careful with people that say medication is the solution. This is like, they're almost like, you know, just forking it out everywhere. Just take more, just take more. Be careful with people that say the medication's from the devil be wise, be balanced, get advice. You know, with I, I, Loretta, she says, man, when I'm going into menopause, I'm going to take whatever they give me. I'm like, amen, sister. <laughs> take whatever they give you. You know, but we, we need to be realistic with ourselves there's no room. I mean, we can't just be martyrs and say, I'm not going to go through anything. I'm not going to take anything. We have to be careful. We have, Even if it's natural things, but whatever it is, be wise. The answer, though, is always walk with Jesus. Be in the Word of God. Be with the people of God. And get wisdom in what to do. Paul told Timothy... In 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given you a spirit of fear, listen to this, but a love, power, and of a healthy mind. Of okay. a healthy mind. Allow yourself to be filled, led, and comforted by the Spirit of God. Notice I said Allow. Because sometimes when we are in those moments that are down, what we need to do is to be able to allow the Lord as he draws near to us. We need to allow him to draw near to to fellowship with him in the cave. There's a song, uh, Oh joy that will not let me go. I dare not close my heart to thee. Oh joy that will not let me go. I dare not close my heart to thee. It's in a moment of the guy was just, he was, um, supposedly he was engaged to a girl. He was diagnosed, he went blind. And so the marriage didn't work out with the girl and he was down and he says, oh, joy that chases me through the rain. I dare not close my heart to thee. Because sometimes the encouragement is in the Lord drawing near to us spend time in the word and we looked at it the other day healthy thoughts about god think rightly about god spend time in the bible and you know there's one particular person i know that was going through a really 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 difficult time and they wanted to put the person in a hospital it was going to be a hospital for several years and and she just said you know what i can't i can't do that and so so she went um to um, she decided to just spend time in the word of God, to just think on God, to be encouraged by him, be in a healthy community. The devil loves to isolate people. We looked at it a few weeks ago, not with don't, don't be a person with many, but find a few good friends that love, respect, care for you and grow With them closer to Jesus. Read healthy books. Emphasis on healthy. There's so many books out there. Seek out healthy books. So to the Spirit. Sow your life, sow to, you know, spending time in the Word, spending time with Christians. Don't forsake going to church. Get around people that know you and love you. Sow to the Spirit. Do good. Make wise decisions. Make wise decisions with your life and realize that time is short. And then finally, I think as we spend time with the people of God, as we spend time in the word of God, as we spend time with the Lord himself, as we spend time reading healthy books, and I've thought about this a lot, as we grow acquainted with the love of Jesus for us, his friendship, his redeeming power, His great love for us. You know what we begin to realize, guys? That He has much more of a hold on us than we have on Him. I want to grow in my relationship with God in a way that I trust me less and less and I trust Him more and more. that no matter what it is that you're going through, and, and I thought about this. this is, I'm going to close with this example and then we, we, we finish here. I want to feed my life and build my relationship with the Lord, yield to it in such a way that I just commit my life to Him because one day I could get Alzheimer's one day I could get dementia. I'm not afraid of speaking stuff like that. I'm not superstitious, like. Listen. And I want to be confident enough today and all of my life, that if my brain was affected because of the fallen world that I live in, and I forgot him, that he will never forget me. I want to grow that no matter how crazy my mind feels at times, no matter how down it feels at times, no matter like Elijah where I just wish I could die, to realize that it's not me that has a hold on him. It's him that has a hold of me. That is not because of my great faith. Because it's of His great person and the great, incredible hope that He's brought to us that we cannot save ourselves, but He is our Savior, our ever-present help in time of need. And I want you to realize today, one, be there for people that are going through these things. But two, if you find yourself, realize He's not with us when we feel high. He's with us no matter how we feel. He didn't say to Elijah, what are you doing there? He says, what are you doing here? Learned to fellowship with God. Paul said it. I've learned the secret of being content no matter what the circumstances are, whether I'm bound, whether I'm abased, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether I'm high, whether I'm low. He's constant. He's there. And there are people that say, oh, Christianity is just a crutch. These Christians, they just need a crutch to hold on because they have a limp and they have, they have somebody to sustain. They need somebody to sustain them. Listen, Christianity is not a crutch. It is an ICU unit. We need help to breathe. We need him. And so, no matter where we're at in that spectrum, let's realize his greatness and his care and his goodness. He didn't condemn Elijah, he actually fed Elijah. And he actually revealed himself deeper to Elijah through that difficulty. In the end, Elijah realized that God was not the God of the fires and the God of the earthquakes and the God of the winds. Although he is the God of those things, Elijah realized that God was the God even when none of these things were going on. That still, small voice, that continuous, that, 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 that personal aspect. that hope. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for your for your love, for your grace. And, and Lord, we looked at all these different aspects of what it could be. And I pray you give us wisdom here today. Discernment, whether today or even in the weeks to come. But help us, Lord, to, to navigate ourselves. To realize that it's not strange. To realize that we can talk about it. To realize that you are near. To realize that that is why you came. To realize, Lord, that you will come to redeem us, body, soul, and spirit, and mind. I pray, Father, you will bring great freedom here today. Great freedom of your goodness, of your kindness for if there's anybody here that's been hurt by somebody else's sin, that you will heal, Lord. Somebody's suffering because of their own sin, I pray they repent. Give them the ability to repent, Lord. If there's somebody here that just needs to learn how to navigate the personality and the things, if there's somebody that needs medical help, Father, we just ask for your help, Lord, for your wisdom. But may we be a loving community, that pushes towards you and your goodness and your kindness to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks.